What's up, everybody? Welcome to Bike Race Weekly. My name is Rick, and I'm here this week with my co-host. Hi, I'm Ryan Gerard. And we're back with you, giving you some great topics this week on technology, our favorite tech stuff, what we've used this year, and some uh, maybe some stuff that's on our wish list for next yeah. year. So uh, I think it was, it's been like two months now. We had a tech episode that oh, yeah. got deleted. And it was a good one, too. It we was did, a pretty good episode. We did that episode, and I was like, oh, cool. And then, yeah. unfortunately, it never made it. I felt really good about it, and... Uh, it, it ended up being that the microphone didn't pick up any of the audio, and my computer did, so the audio was unlistenable, so we uh, got rid of it, and here we go again. But that's okay, because we're now two months into the future, and technology has, again, continued to change, so yeah. we yeah. could literally do like a tech episode probably every two months, and we'd always have something new to talk about, I feel like. Oh, for sure. Technology for sure. is just always changing, especially yeah. for bike stuff, like, no doubt. Actually, now that we're talking about this... Uh, I've been reading a lot of Cycling Weekly, okay, and they do a ton of tech stuff, and mm-hmm. there's a few things I wanted to bring up from there. Before so, you start that, though, who, who do you think has the best like cycling publications? Who do you think does the best kind of like tech reviews and tech talks? Um, so Cycling Weekly, the thing I don't like about them is that mm-hmm. they only really look at high-end stuff, mm-hmm. So it, and then they do like the price and then the rating, mm-hmm. and it's like... $300 pair of bibs, 10 out of 10. It's like, of course. Of course, a $300 pair of bibs is going to be a 10 out of 10. Yeah. I, why would anyone buy them unless if they were they, a 9? They better be a 10 out of 10. Yeah. So yeah. it's kind of like stuff like that or like the mm-hmm. new new Durace. Yeah. 10 out of 10. It's like, of course. It's the highest end components. Yeah. They, I, I actually like uh, cycling tips okay. because I think that they take that into consideration a little bit more so than a lot of other publications. Like they definitely have a value scale when yeah. they're when they're rating anything. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, I mean, like they they take it into consideration. Like, okay, the helmet's awesome, but it costs four hundred and fifty dollars. Like, how awesome is it for four hundred fifty dollars? Eh, maybe it's more meh. You know what I mean? Another thing about Cycling Weekly is that it's UK based. Okay, so, so it's all in pounds, and it's it's a little bit more relevant metric to, systems. Yeah, and it's a little bit more relevant to the UK. Yeah, they probably like do a lot of time trial review stuff, and I don't know. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm making assumptions here, but uh, yeah, and it's more about like you know European type esque racing, and they don't really touch on what's going on in the US. At yeah, all. it's more like Europe and like uk based okay i get i get what you're saying so, yep yeah all right so where did where did you want to start did you want to start on the bike off the bike front what? of the bike back of the bike oh boy helmet shoes <laughs> let's let's start with you know let's start with some stuff that we really liked this year and specifically let's start with stuff that's tangible that's like on the bike Okay. Stuff that you used. Maybe something that... It could be something that you've been using for a while or something that you just picked up this year. Anything coming to mind for you? Tech, tech that you really enjoyed? Well, a big difference for me is... I guess it's more component-based, but uh, I got my first, like, 52-geared bike. 52-tooth? Yes. Like versus, a 52-tooth chainring? Yes, versus okay. a 50-tooth. Oh, okay. And I I'm wait, actually, you had a fifty on your old bike? Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, I've never had bigger than a fifty. Okay. So, and, and almost all bikes nowadays come with fifties. Yeah, it's a fifty thirty four compact. It's, a, it's usually. actually kind of tough to find like a fifty two fifty three. Yeah, yeah. I know Cannondale still makes a lot of a lot of fifty threes. Uh-huh. I know when my dad bought his CAD twelve, it came with a fifty three. Okay. Um, 
But I really like the 52. Yeah. I think especially for racing, uh, my 52, I was always racing in like the bottom like three or four gears. Mm-hmm. So I feel like with just having the 52 tooth, I can kind of sit in that middle range more. Yeah, I think it's a little bit more race friendly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I really like that. Fifty-two tooth chain rings. Yeah, so I, honestly, that was a that was a big thing for me. I mean, that's year. that's tech. I I count it. Yeah. Also, yeah. kind of sticking to the chain rings, going to a one by. Oh yeah, that was like a that was. I would say that's a almost like a step back in terms of tech, but it is something different that you did. I like I liked I liked the simplification, and yeah. I think I th- I really hope manufacturers keep going with it. Um, I mean, I did lose chain rings if I hit like a bump. Ryan was, got to take was... Ryan got to take a lot of free laps because he was dropping chains. Yeah, and that was. If anybody wants to take free laps during the race, just get a one by system. Don't run a chain guide. Yeah, and that's that's uh, the that's the downside. But you know what? They well, made they started coming out with clutch derailers, and I think uh-huh. they're going to start making chain guides for uh, for road bikes well do you know what's crazy though is that you couldn't i know you were telling me this you couldn't buy a chain guide yes for a like a a 50 or above yeah you can't chain ring yeah and you would think why don't you just use your front derailleur the difference is is that a chain guide is just like plastic it's very light Mm -hmm. where a front derailleur is metal so the difference in weight is pretty significant between the two and I mean, you're it's it just keeps the chain on. Yeah. If if you hit a bump, it's not going to come off. So I think with a clutch derailleur and a chain guide, I say never go back to two by. Really? Unless you live in a mountainous area, then I think you need two two gears. Yeah, I, I I've always been like playing with the idea of going one by on the road, and for yeah, for where we live, we live in Wisconsin, and I mean, like honestly, I can't think of more than two times or three times I've hit like a 10 plus minute climb I think there might be one within like the 30 mile radius from where mm-hmm. we currently are you can find like a five th- minute climbs like every blue, yeah so often blue, one minute climbs the blue mounds area yeah which is like by Mount Horeb <clears throat> excuse me Mount Horeb they've got some decent climbs out there but like nothing compared to other parts of the country yes mm-hmm. yes so how about you anything to stick out this year boy you know I I had, I had, I feel like I actually started to like pare down a lot of my tech. I got rid of a lot of things that like were really techy that I thought like I just kind of came to the realization that I didn't need or didn't use that much. But to be honest, I think my favorite tech thing, which sounds kind of strange, but a skin suit. Skin suit? Yeah. So I never had a skin suit before. Okay. And well, actually, no. You did. Me. I did, but it was like a really cheap one that I bought from like a Chinese company for like twenty bucks, and it was it was not good. So I you you could actually see through it. Like it was <laughs> it, like I remember I went to a cross race. That's what the people want. Rick. Well, my wife my wife was watching, and she was like, "I think I can see like like your butt crack." And I'm like, and then I never wore it again because I was so embarrassed. But uh, yeah, like I actually really liked racing in a skin suit, mm-hmm. um, especially the type that we. Well, you bought a skin suit too, but I think you've used them before, right? Or was this new for you? No, this is my. This, yeah. Well, I got two now. Yeah. Oh, I have two as well. Yeah. Yeah, but we have the same ones. Yeah, and they're both the same style where it's like you can zip it up in the front, 
and it's it kind of looks like a normal jersey. Yes, but it performs like a skin suit. Yes, and yeah, for racing, these are getting pretty popular. Yeah, I, it was just really nice. It has pockets in the back too, so if you want to use it for like normal riding, you can do that. I, maybe it looks like a little dorky, kind of showing up to like a group ride with like a skin suit on, but. It's depends really, on the group, right? Yeah, it depends. And it's really practical, too. I just really enjoyed it. So that's my that's my piece of tech that I really like this year. All right. Yeah. Uh, one thing I'm actually really excited about mm-hmm. is I just ordered the uh, high-end Bontrager booties. Oh, you got some booties. Yes, and th- those are rated for freezing temperatures. And I, I have a pair of those. You do? Yeah. I did not I know that. I told you those. No, I didn't know so, that. So I have a pair of those. They're like, I forgot what they're called. But they are, you would think that it's a booty. It can't be that warm. It's that warm. It's, oh man, it's got like fur on the inside of really? it. Really? It's amazing. I love it. it. It was a game changer because they're so wind resistant. So when you go riding, it's not the temperature that makes you cold. It's the, it's the wind. Like it's the, it's just the force at which the wind is hitting your body. That's why when you, you can go for a run in the winter and like you're, you're sweating and you go for a ride and you're basically not, you can never put on enough layers. So they're so wind resistant that like you just don't feel anything on your feet and they've got like this really nice insulated fur it's great i used them at like i think they're rated sub 30 degrees but i used them like sub 20 and they still performed great okay yeah yeah so i'm really excited about that yeah it's a, I, good, it's a good buy ryan it's yeah what buy. i was gonna do and i'm actually a little bummed out because i'm not gonna buy them because they're kind of there's really no point now is i was gonna get the the wool uh shoe covers oh yeah like that uh, slipstream is that what they call oh it? defeat just yeah, yeah the defeat it, I have it right up on the wall I have, right a pair there. Of, I have a pair of those too yeah the defeat slipstream wool okay I have it up there on my board oh okay <laughs> to remind yourself yeah nice um <laughs> I'm actually because I think those look just I think they just look really cool they do and they're super easy to like just put on yeah they're like they're wool so or whatever material maybe they're nylon but they stretch super easy yeah and i was gonna get the wool ones okay i think they're pretty cheap too yeah those are the one that i was gonna get was like 35 dollars. oh okay and i was gonna put them underneath the the booties i have right now which are uh, really under like 45 degrees they it, they're just like wind booties mm-hmm. you know yeah so it's this, hard to find uh, boots that keep your feet warm to be yeah. like it's hard to keep your feet that warm in like that cold a condition yeah yeah and that's the first thing that gets cold on me yeah the feet yeah all right so moving on what's new in tech what's new in what, tech? what are some of the things that maybe are coming out that are pretty freaking sweet and that we got our eye on for the coming year um i'm gonna start out with something really interesting that i just saw actually and actually, I think I saw it on like an Instagram ad, mm-hmm. and it's like I think it's literally par- probably the only ad that I've ever clicked on because I was really? just genuinely interested. And it's called the Human Hex, spelled H-U-M-O-N Hex. And I, I am no physiologist, and I'm just doing my best armchair uh, impression of one. But it's a muscle oxygen sensor. So you wear it around your leg and it's a little pod. So it looks like a heart rate monitor that you wear around your thigh. And essentially what it does is it measures the amount of oxygen saturation in your muscles. Wow. So how does it read it? I have no idea. It's like way above my head. Like that sounds like something that you would need like a needle for. I, that's that's what I thought, but it's got a sensor, so it can. It's probably shooting some kind of like signal through your leg, 
and it's probably it's able to essentially see how full your muscle is of oxygen which is crazy because from what i understand like when when you use a power meter and stuff like these the zones that you're estimating uh i guess again i don't really understand a lot of this but like it's kind of based on like how hard you're going and okay but you have to keep retesting your your ftp zones and they're always changing and they're always moving but this is like the first objective measure and like the same so then you could say something similar with a heart rate monitor where you know your heart rate is really varied like you can't really use it like day to day for training but this is like an objective measure like when you go out to do intervals it i think it essentially splits it up into three zones mm-hmm. so you have like your your what was like the green zone which is your steady state it's like your maximal aerobic zone so that's like something that you could ride at forever and it'll tell you when you're there yeah so like you know a lot of times you, you people go out and they say i'm going to do a zone 2 ride and they try to base it off a of heart rate or power but this is actually telling you like physiologically you're in that zone which is pretty sweet that's so cool and then it's the orange zone which is what most people think of as like your steady state or like Mm -hmm. your lack that's your lactate threshold so it's anything i guess from a traditional like tempo through threshold okay so it tells you when you're there so that's a pace that you can sustain for like you know maybe maybe up to an hour and it'll tell you how hard you're pushing and then it'll have like a red zone so that's like when you're doing vo2 max intervals it'll essentially tell you like you're in the red like you're you're pushing at your maximal oxygen consumption mm-hmm. which is like that's pretty freak freaking sweet like if you really think about it yeah it's it i don't know if this will ever replace a power meter but i think it possibly could do you know the cost on it yeah it's like 289 dollars which is honestly not bad if you think about how much a power meter costs and it pairs with like a garmin it, there's like a garmin function where you can essentially have it on your watch and the cool thing is you, you wear it all the time right so you can use it while you're cycling but you can you know you don't have to have like a power meter on your road bike anymore and then have one on your cross bike and have one on your mountain bike you can literally just anytime you're going to a different bike you you strap this thing on your thigh even yeah. if you're doing different sports like you want to go out for a run it's the same concept so i thought it was pretty sweet like i kind of got started nerd out a little bit about that Mainly because I think it's really practical and it's super affordable. Like that's yeah, it's very affordable. That's something where um, I'd say before half of racers had a power meter. Yeah. So yeah. that that's a pretty small like amount of people. I mean, out of all the people that bike, you know, racers are maybe twenty five percent. I would say. Oh, I'd say less than that. Okay. I'd honestly say like. Five percent, and I think that's high. Really, you think? Yeah, so? out of I've okay. that bike. Everybody that bikes, or I was talking like I like, would say you're like, thinking anything more than like a commuter, or not even commuter, no, no, no. but like, someone that would recreationally ride their bike at least three days a week. And when I say recreationally, making an effort when they get home to just get on their bike, whether it's just around the block or oh, fifty I st- miles. I still think five percent, really, or lower. Wow. Yeah. Okay. For sure. For okay. sure. I get that. Mm-hmm. I can see it. Okay. So, yeah. So, the the percentage of people that have a power meter is pretty low. And I think a huge part of that, because I was just looking at, um, at, the, at the, I forgot if it was on Cycling Weekly or Cycling Tips. Yeah. But, I mean, vector pedals, two-sided yeah. vector pedals are like $900. And, I, I mean... Entry level is minimum 400 for a low-end one. The cheapest power meter you can buy right now 
that uses like a strain gauge is I think two hundred and fifty dollars. And it hasn't to, come out yet though. No, no, it has. There's the Watt okay. team, um, and you have, but you have to like glue it onto your cranks, and you have to cal- yeah. do all this calibration stuff. From what it sounds like, this is kind of, I mean, this is really simple. You essentially mm-hmm. just strap it on. Yeah. And you go do your workout. Wow. I think the interesting thing about this is, so I and I, again, like I don't really know if this can replace a power meter or if it should replace a power meter or how accurate it is. It's pretty new technology. Yeah, I, th- like, I would the, say these things have been around for a while, but oh, like okay. commercial application has been is pretty new. Yeah, I would say honestly, if it's accurate. That's that's all that matters. Yeah, I would if consider buying one. I would totally buy one. Yeah, like I don't want to buy a three hundred and fifty dollar power meter that's like a base model that I can't swap between bikes. Yeah, and but the only thing is, if you're somebody that uses like Training Peaks and uses like TSS, I don't know how this applies or how it how it kind of folds into that equation. I'd say they just adapt. Probably. Yeah. You know? I mean, if if Training Peaks probably should once they figure out how to use the technology. It's probably more accurate than TSS if you really think about it. And the cool thing is too, like when you go out to do your interval, like if you if you're fatigued and you're you're out doing VO2 intervals, it'll show you that you can't like hit that. It's a pretty good mm-hmm. like um, objective measure of how ready you are to do whatever training that you're trying to do on a given day. Okay. So yeah, that's, that's cool. I'm I'm super excited about that piece of tech. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm surprised that they haven't come out with, uh, like, how would you say, like, uh, like a power meter that kind of fits into like the sole of your shoe. Yeah, something that's more transferable between bikes. I think that's like the biggest gripe against power meters is like I. So if you really want to get into it, and I think the the best application of a power meter is like. Um, using it in a training plan to measure training load. That's like, I think the best application you of think it. think so? I think so, yeah, personally. Because I think it, it just gives you like an objective measure of how much work that you did this week, next week, how you can kind of like monitor how, if you're doing too much. Um, but I mean, if you don't, if you only have one on one bike and you ride two bikes, it's kind of like, well, what do you do? Do you buy another one? Do you spend another yeah five hundred dollars on a power meter? I don't. Or if you sell I, I don't your bike. want to. Yeah, or if you sell your bike, for example, like for a while, the more affordable power meters were crank arms, and they still are. Like I had a Stages, which retailed for like five hundred dollars, which is, I mean, kind of crazy to say affordable. That's expensive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you know, I I trans I changed bikes, and the crank arm length changed a little bit. So I had to buy a, like a, a whole new power meter. I had a perfectly good one, but it was two and a half millimeters different. So that's $500 just down the just drain, down, down the drain for two and a half millimeters. Yeah. I mean, I could have bought new cranks, but that would probably have not have been any cheaper, mm-hmm. maybe more expensive. So yeah, I think it's interesting. I'm going to keep my eye on it. I'm a little hesitant about like being an early adopter of technology. Cause I think there's always like, there's always flaws and stuff when it comes out. You know, I'm hopeful that it's kind of like mm-hmm. going to just nail it, but you never know. Yeah. So, yeah. What about you, Ryan? Is there anything that you got your eye on that's new, that's tech? That's well, okay. Out? So it's 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 not new, but it's going to be, I guess, new for me. Okay. Is I'm, th- I'm starting to actually think about getting a single speed 
or a, not a single speed, a fixie. A fixie? Yeah, like a cheap fixie. Okay. And then, and then with the intention I of... I feel like our tech podcast has turned into like anti-tech. We're just talking about like super simple things. <laughs> Going back. But I'm interested. I, go, I, sorry, have, a go, few, go I have a few, you know, that I want to touch on. But uh, a single speed bike to do like the single speed races. Because I think about it this so way. So you're talking about like a fixie though, like a road fixie. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. okay. And then I would uh, force you to do races with me. <sighs> I've always been like kind of drawn to the allure of fixed gear racing. Yeah. You know, I, I always go kind of back and forth. The thing I'd really like about it is, like, again, how cheap the bikes are. Like, it's just mm-hmm. super affordable. You can get, like, a really good used fixie for $500. Like, yeah. really good used fixie. Um, but then I see videos, like, from some fixie races that go, like, terribly wrong, where people just, like, stack it into corners and, like, yeah, I mean. But that's, like, that, that's, like, know, Red Hook. Like, yeah. the races that we do that are fixie races in Wisconsin, especially, they're on, like, the safest courses. They're basically giant rectangles. And, like, a 10-person race would be considered a big race. Yeah, that's true. I, there's There's been a couple fixie races in Wisconsin, and I honestly don't know if there's been a crash. Maybe there has. Maybe there has. I don't know. But I've been to a lot of races this year, and I didn't see any. They have the fixed gear at every race. Yeah. It's just the the numbers of people that do it are pretty low. They're pretty low, but I think that's changing. I think it'll continue. Well, I think part of the reason why it's so low is because the people that are into riding fixed gear bikes don't want to pay $25. I think it's way too. It should be a $5. It should honestly be a $5 race. It's like a, it's like a tack on anyways. I mean, 20 minutes. Well, it's like 20 minutes. It's maybe it's 30 minutes, but still it's at like the very end of the day. It's basically, yeah, it's an extra, what everybody's there for an extra 20 minutes. It should be, yeah, I totally agree. $5 race. All right. Yeah. And then, uh, next thing I wanted to, touch on was glasses glasses so i had i want and i wanted to get your opinion okay the new oakley flight jackets okay so um and in general and in general too what what do you what what are you interested in glasses wise now uh-huh. because i feel like there has been a huge influx of like really cool glasses whether it's a hundred percent um what are the ones that uh and Mitchell, Mitchelton Scott are on. Those are 100% too. They're 100% a lot, too? A lot of them are. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Yeah, so I, I feel like there's a big influx of cool glasses that yeah. stand out. Mm-hmm. What stands out to you, Rick? Well, I the flight jackets are cool. I like those. When I first... More than jawbreakers? Yeah. I think I do. I think they're in right now. Okay. They So, like, the flight jackets are, like, the radars, but in reverse. So, like... The hard part of what I call like the hard part of the frame is that goes under your under your eyes and around your nose, and then the top of the glasses is is fully exposed. There's no frame around it, which, if you actually think about it, kind of makes a lot of sense. It does. Um, so I I like the look. Um, they they have a glass where it's like it's similar to the flight jacket, but it's it's a hard glass. It's a hard frame all the way around. I don't like that one, but I think yeah, you're right. There's a lot of really cool things with glasses going on right now. Um, 100% glasses I think are sick like I really like them um, I they came out with like a new model too that I saw a lot of the pro racers wearing at the at the CXC race the World Cup like Katie Keogh was wearing these 100% glasses that I thought were really cool um, I so the team that I was on this year was is sponsored by Rudy Project so I wear 
I think they're the Rudy Triac. Um, and I like them. They're like, I think they're very like, uh, how do you say, like standard sport glasses. Like they're not crazy big, but they're not like super small or anything. Okay. I definitely think glasses are like probably one of the more underrated components of style. People, yeah. People don't think about it a lot, but like I think they make a pretty big statement. I feel like the two or I guess three articles for me that I really like to stand out are my glasses, my shoes, and my socks. Mm-hmm. The, yeah. Like the detailed. I think glasses have to go with the helmet that you're wearing though. Of that's course, like yes. I think that's like the number one rule in glasses is that they have to make sense with the helmet that you're wearing. Yeah. So like if you have like an aero helmet, you probably want a bigger glass because mm-hmm. you have like if I and again, this might not make sense to everybody, but you have like a, a larger surface area which makes your head look bigger. So I think that requires a larger glass glasses to balance everything out. Yeah, yeah. And I you know who started it was Pac. I feel like people forget yeah, that. Pac, I think Pac started all Pac of that. was the OG in terms of like big cycling sunglasses. And the and the helmet. I feel like before that yeah. too, helmets all looked very generic yep. and they weren't like necessarily attractive. Everything looked like um yeah, it was just like the same vented helmet. Like yeah. nobody thought of helmet as like a stylish thing. And I think Pac definitely changed that. I actually really like Pac helmets. I do too. If I if I needed a new helmet, or I think eventually, like I don't know, who knows? Maybe I'll get a different helmet at some point this year. I'll probably get like a Pac helmet. Mm-hmm. I like them a lot. Yeah, yeah. I just think like, and somebody once said to me like, oh, like those are just like a fad, like the Pac helmets. But I think they they like I think it's kind of classic because. It's got that unique look to it. And it's a very simple design. Yeah. It's one color. Yep. You know, matches the glasses that are... It matches the glasses. Does, those aren't fancy either. Mm-hmm. It's just a very clean, classic look. Yeah. I totally agree. I totally agree. I kind of like how this is foraying into style a little bit. Because I feel like a well, lot... that's what tech is. It's, it's, it's showing a lot, off. A lot of it is style, too. Like, it's function and, and style. Yeah. So, like, like, shoes, for example... You this year you used the Giro Empire knits, yeah, which I think is like my Gucci shoes. Oh gosh, that I think that's like the definition of like a cross between style and tech, and maybe tech in the opposite way because you're going from boas to lace. Yeah, but I actually think lace makes a lot of sense for like cycling. Yeah, I will say you know everyone always says you know I have to adjust you know my shoes when. Uh-huh like halfway through a race or at the beginning of a race or something i have not actually had that feeling because i feel like mm-hmm. when i lace up my shoes i get them more specific where i want them mm-hmm. to be tight i think that's actually a like a drawback of boas in that when you're sitting down and you tighten them up you can't feel exactly how tight you need them mm-hmm. so like if you think about it anytime you get up off the couch and you're you're whatever you're going for a walk or you're just walking around whatever you don't you never have to like tie your shoes and then retie them five minutes later because they're they're too tight or they're not tight enough like laces they just get like you can feel how tight they are at pretty much every point on the tongue and i feel like with boas because i don't know because all the tension is being like is ratcheted into that one dial or two dials you don't quite you, you gotta like readjust and stuff like that. So I think for the next shoes that I get, they're gonna be the lace shoes. Yeah. Maybe some maybe some Giro's like you have. I do like the Giro lace ones. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and they make a lot of colors. They do. I really like. They had this like purple, black, and 
uh, kind of red shoes that were like, they seem like a throwback 90s mm-hmm. kind of designer color. I like that. So I might go with those. Okay. And yeah. I tell everybody this whenever Jiro comes up. Make sure you get a size, like a half size bigger or full yes. size bigger, yep. because they do run small, yep. and I made that mistake. I had to do that, and I was glad that I could try them on in a store before I actually bought them, because I would have made that mistake, too. Yeah, and I didn't, I wasn't able to. Mm-hmm. Our store didn't have the Jiro shoes anymore, so. Yeah, well, I guess moving on, uh, what about software? Software, yeah, like I guess the tech, the techest of the tech. Yeah, here's a uh, and, and software doesn't include power meters. Like that's okay. that's a te- that's a thing in and of itself. Software is like things on the computer that are cycling based. Yeah, so I mean, let's talk. Let's let's be specific with fitness tracking software. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think I think there's a lot of good ones. I think they're um, and I I consider like Velo Pro fitness tracking. Mm-hmm. Um, what is the big one? Uh, Training Peaks. Peaks. Training yeah. Peaks. Uh, Trainer Road has gotten into it. Mm-hmm. Um, Garmin and Strava. Yeah, I consider all those training trackables. Track, yeah, yeah. Training platforms. trackness. What? Tracking. What's the best and what's the worst? So I think Garmin doesn't do much. So I think it's a great way. I. I th- I, think, I feel, I feel like, like it's just. A I feel like Gar- I feel like Garmin feels like they they're like obligated to have yeah. like a software for people that they aren't really into cycling or running so much, and they just want a way to look at their files. Mm-hmm. Like they don't know about Strava, and they feel you know like it's for for a Garmin person to be like, oh yeah, you got to download this app. I think that kind of might turn people off. So it's for I think it's for like people that are really casual that just want to look at their data. Yeah, and I think they do well. Uh, tracking the things other things like other They're integrated, platforms integrated don't track. In so, oh, okay. Like sleep. They Garmin, track sleep. Garmin tracks that? Yeah. They oh, track okay. sleep. They track your resting heart rate. It's kind of your, interesting. Um, your calories for the day, hmm. your steps, your stair count. And I like the stair count and the steps just so that when I'm at work and I feel that buzz... Like, like, oh, oh you would, move your butt. No, well, no, no, not that. Like, when I hit my stair climbing goal, because, and I realized, oh, yeah, I've been going up and down the stairs all day. Mm-hmm. Do you ever find yourself just, like, doing, like, laps up and down the stairs? No. 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 Some people get like that. They, they're, like, so, like, addicted to hitting their goal. That, yeah. Like, I've, I've known people that, like, they'll just do, like, laps around the parking lot to, like, hit their step goal. Yeah, and I get that. If, like, you don't really do much activity, I totally understand Yeah, that. yeah. That's, yeah. I know exactly. there's a group of ladies at my work that go for, like, a walk every day. Nice. So. Do you remember at Discount Ramps, the walk? So, we took the, so we used to work in yeah, this company. I miss um, it. It was, yeah, it was fun. But we took, some, like, as, like, a office, some, like. Everyone. Long daily walks in the yeah. morning and the afternoon. They really made the day go relatively fast. It felt really good when you see, like, the VP taking, like, the 45-minute loop. Oh, yeah. It, it makes you feel like, okay, like, okay. I'm not doing anything wrong. No. I'm just outside enjoying nature and yeah. taking my break. Exactly. Yeah. That, I love Oh, that's that. I miss that. Nobody takes walks in my new office, and I always feel like I'm rebelling or something. Because I take, like, short five-minute loops around really? uh, our office. Oh, you could just, definitely just do it at like, the office and yeah, nobody would bad just, an eye. No, nobody cares, but yeah. it's just like a couple minutes throughout the day. Like I see a few people walking, but like at our at the place that we used to work, like the literally the entire office would just stand up and go outside and walk around. Yeah. Everyone would be like, 
Time for a walk. Time for a walk. All right. And if anybody didn't go, it was like, oh, yeah, not gonna the, go on the walk. The today. guy who replaced you never went on walks. See, that bad news. Yeah, yeah. By the time news. I left, like there was a lot of days where I was the only one going on walks. Oh, it's sad, dude. It's yeah. Sad. What were we talking about? Tech. Tech. <laughs> um, we were talking about shoes. Oh no! Oh no! We were oh, talking about Garmin fitness trackers. Fitness trackers. Yeah. yeah so, so Garmin tracks a good some cool stuff. Yeah, it's okay. We'll track the small stuff and then get your Garmin file to whatever other software you put it on. It's not the worst. It's just limited. Yeah. So what's the best then? Best. Uh, I s- taking pain for it away. I think Training Peaks in itself is the best tracking software in terms of analysis. That's that's specifically what it is. Okay. Now, if you put in like paying for it, like what you pay for it and what you get out of it, I feel like you don't get as much. It's kind of expensive. It's expensive. It's, it's twenty dollars a month. Yeah. Where you can pay now it's fifteen dollars a month for Trainer mm-hmm. Road, but you also get a tracking software with it. Yeah. It's not as complicated as training peaks but it's, it's got 90 percent of what you want yeah it tracks your tss um i have mine tracked out almost a year yeah which so is it'll crazy. show you in a year if you follow their training plan mm-hmm. this is going to be where your fitness is so and it gives it to you in a graph and it's so it's five dollars cheaper than training peaks and you also get like a library of cycling um cycling and triathlon related training plans i have used it in the past and i really liked it especially if you're somebody that likes structure i think trainer road is the way to go and especially if you're somebody that lives in a crappy climate like we do i think it's a good way to get through the winter and yeah kind of stay on track all year you can even add in like you don't even have to use the the indoor workouts or the training plan you can literally just use or you can literally just use the calendar put your outdoor rides inside or Upload them and just track your TSS through the year yeah. and use it that way. And a new and you still save money. Yeah, and a new feature too is, is you so they put all their training plans on a calendar. Yeah. But you can also move them around. You can move right? them around. So say yeah. you, you're gonna take a week off for vacation, mm-hmm. it'll take all your your workouts and move them down a week. Or if you if you want to move your current week around, you can do that. Mm. It's super easy to do. And I, I like that. I was playing around with it. And I didn't think much of it before, and once I started playing around with it, it was it was awesome. Yeah, that's pretty sweet. That's yeah. a good feature to have. Now, if you have like a power meter, you plan on training all outside, and you have a coach, I say just get Training Peaks because with, that's going to be better for you. I think you if you do a, tr- a coach through Training Peaks, you usually get a free account too. Really? Yeah, but your coach probably costs you upwards of two hundred dollars yeah, a month. Yeah. So so if you have that. Trainer Road's probably not going to do They talk about Trainer Road. Like, you can have a coach and have Trainer Road, but I don't think that it's kind of counterproductive. Yeah, yeah I, think that's, one or the other. I think that's kind of missing the whole point of Trainer Road, yeah. which is like you're basically paying for a coach. You're paying for, you're paying for, for a coach. A yeah. I mean, in my opinion, if you have like a lot of money to spend and like a lot of free and flexible time, like a coach is a great option. But like I've basically been able to piece together like how to train through all of the Trainer Road podcasts and using their plans. I mean, if you just look at their plans, you kind of get the whole idea of what you should be doing. Yeah, and I, yeah, I mean, if you spend about like if you spend a little time learning like how to train, I think it pays off a lot, and it's pretty it's pretty intuitive too. Mm-hmm. Like you kind of just learn what to do. Yeah, what about Strava? 
Strava. I actually used to have the Strava Premium. Really? I yeah. never knew that. So Strava is all it's kind of cool because all of these softwares you you would like have to create like a giant Venn diagram of like what they're like what they kind of do all at the same time and what, how they're different. But Strava if you do I'm going to speak on behalf of the premium account which I used to have. What is what is premium get you? Premium gets you data analysis, so it's not quite as in depth as Training Peaks, but you get like your power file. You can look at it. You can look at like past PRs and like power PRs is like probably the biggest thing. You get like more advanced insights. I didn't fully utilize all of them. A lot of them are more like I feel like if you're a runner, you probably get a lot more out of it. Okay. Um, you also like I think you can look at other people's data more closely too. The one thing um, that just really irks me what? about Strava is that you can see people's, like, power and heart rate. Uh, yeah, you can see heart rate. But there's a few things you can see on the, like, on your PC uh-huh. that you can't see on the app oh, that you yeah. need Strava Premium for on the app. It but it's me. free when you go online so on yeah, your yeah, that's another thing. That frustrates me. I think you get, like, these training plans that you can follow, but they're all, like, really weird. Uh, to me, they're kind of, like... They're like Strava training plans. It's like, okay. oh, you want to do a five-minute climb really good, or you want to do like a 40... It's it's for people that are basically trying to take a KOM or training to get like a really good KOM. Okay. Yeah, Strava, I don't know. For, I've never really gotten into it that hard. I just, I guess I don't care enough. I care more about racing than mm-hmm. like KOMs and stuff like that. I think they need to start having like a certain like a bar for what a KOM can be because you go mm-hmm. on rides oh, and yeah. there's a hundred KOMs that like don't matter. There's like there's like a million thirty second KOMs that, you know, Joe down the street wants one in front of his house, so then he has it and he just like rips it every yeah. single day and like there's a he has it like, you know, he'll he'll do it like fifty times a year and like one of those times you get like a massive tailwind or a car's like towing yeah. you up it. It's like people pick out like say they do go on a ride where it's a big yeah. tailwind they specifically find a spot where they're like i'm gonna give myself a kom yeah i i kind of agree it's like it's almost like there should be some kind of oversight or prerequisite for what qualifies as like a segment yeah um you know the really interesting thing is that i i had a, a buddy a while back that he was talking about how he made a segment in front of his house and he just sat there and he watched people like ride by and like check it out and like like try to like snipe the segment. And he literally did it the same day. And like by that afternoon, he had people riding like this kind of um, kind of out of the way area of town, I guess. Really? Yeah, I thought that was kind of interesting. But I didn't it, know people like looked up like segments like that. Well, people love. I mean, people are really addicted to to being at the top of a leaderboard. And they'll they'll hunt down like lesser known KOMs. You know what I mean? You know, like all the big climbs. It's just so sad. I know it really it is, but like that's how some people just get off. You know yeah, what I, I mean? That. Yeah, I guess. Like I I like to race, and some people like to get, get KOMs. unknown KOMs. I really like that it's that I can see what other other people are doing. Yeah, it's kind of cool. Yeah, I never understand people that hide stuff. I don't get that either. Yeah, I you would think that pros want to. Put their stuff out. More. Well, no. The weird thing is, I think most pros um, put their stuff out, and like, but they don't. They won't put like power and stuff. 
Yeah, I don't know. I feel it. I always feel like that's kind of weird. It's like, how is that really ever going to get used against you? Yeah, you know, we're all we we are all very unique in what we need for training mm-hmm. and how we develop. And I mean, at that level too, everybody. If you're a pro, like everybody has a coach. It's not like your coach is going to look at some other athlete and be like, "Oh, he's yeah. doing that. I better do this." I feel like the biggest thing about so if you know you're going to have a good career in bike racing at mm. the top level and you're you know well known yeah i think the biggest thing you need to do is make sure that you have a career after cycling and i think that's one way to do it is to kind of reach out to people so that kind of what phil guyman yeah i was did. gonna say like the phil guyman model where yeah. you create kind of a community around you yeah and he did it really smart too he utilized the most popular cycling application among people that not only bike but actually have money like yeah. the his following is made up of probably if you had to like chart the average age it's probably a bunch of like 45 year old men that are really into strava and they see him doing all these cool kom stuff and they're like heck yeah that's awesome let me buy right. some cliff bars and cookies all right enough about enough tracking about, uh, software yeah, tracking whatever yeah so let's talk about a few things uh that you know high-end stuff versus low-end stuff so okay. one thing that comes okay. out of my mind is like wheels or wheels. yeah wheels. Okay. How do you feel about what would be uh, if you are going to buy a name brand pair of wheels, what would be like your price range? Man, that's really tough because like you're set on buying a pair of wheels. It, like I have to buy a pair of wheels. Yes. I mean I personally don't find wheels, especially name brand wheels, to be worth their weight in monies. I think mm-hmm. if I had to go with a wheel brand, like I had to buy a pair of name brand wheels, yeah. I would probably go with Flow Cycling okay. because they're direct to consumer, they're a good price point wheel. And What's I, their price point? It's like $1,000. Okay, for that's like, what I was going to say. Yeah, it was like for $1, like a, what would be, I think, like a 40 or 50 millimeter depth carbon full carbon rim yeah they do i know they do like a lot of testing on their wheels too it's not just like some guys getting a bunch of carbon rims from china and throwing them throwing some labels on them so i think that would be what i'd go with okay flow because that's what i was going to say is uh i feel like and i think it's like i think it's more actually like twelve hundred dollars okay but yeah around a thousand dollars yeah and that's what i was gonna kind of get to is i feel like nowadays people are gravitating towards those china wheels that just slap a name on them for 350 bucks yeah and i've never you hear people at bike shops say no you can't do that because the carbon will literally blow up but i have yet to hear a bad story and i actually went online and googled like carbon wheels like chinese carbon wheels malfunctioning Mm -hmm. couldn't find a story so here i think that's really interesting you say that because I used to be that person that I was like, you can't ride Chinese carbon wheels. That used to be me too. You're literally like, you're going to, they're going to break and then your face is going to get destroyed. And then I started, I did the same thing happen. I started talking to a lot of people that had the Chinese wheels and they would ride them for thousands of miles and they had no issues. I mean, once in a while somebody would say, oh yeah, the, the brake track kind of wore a little fast and like That's the thing I've heard is the... They'll wear down a little the, faster. The brake track wears down. Yeah, but like, yeah, but you saved... Fifteen hundred dollars. You yeah. could buy another pair and use them, and you'll probably go through the same time that you'd go through like a pair of zips. And I think Amazon has actually changed a lot 
in terms of how people perceive these wheels because it's review based. Mm-hmm. You know, all you have to do is search carbon wheels and then you look for a five star review. Uh, and I found a lot of brands that offer a really affordable, like a five hundred dollar carbon wheel set. It is from China, but the average rating is like four point five stars, and it's like it's got like five hundred reviews. I mean, I, I find it hard to believe that these are all fake reviews on a platform like Amazon. People are obviously finding value in, in these wheels. Like, they're, you know, they're no zips, but they're, they're pretty good. Probably. 90% of the way there. They're probably 90% of the way there. Even if they're 80% of the way there, yeah. I'm cool with that. What about for, what about other things that come from China? So things that are specifically yeah. that come out to me are saddles. Saddles, um, kits. Kits. And handlebars. Again, I think it all depends on if you if you can do your research and like find the top the top manufacturers. Generally, you'll find them on like Alibaba or AliExpress, and they'll have a good reputation, and you can buy stuff. It's never gonna be as good. Have you ridden in your uh, skin suit yet? I haven't. No. So we bought like you two. have not. I have not. No. Really. Yeah, it's been I, a while. Well, I haven't raced in it. I, ha- well, I, I, I don't mean, use it to ride around. I really. figured you would just go for a ride in nah, it just to see. I'll save it for racing. Okay. but I've we, done a few rides. We bought just like some random Chinese skin suits uh, from a good a good manufacturer. Mm-hmm. Or at least Spexel. a... Yeah, a, a respected manufacturer. Yeah. And we wanted to see like, okay, like what's the quality like? And what's so what's your verdict? I haven't ridden mine yet. So, okay. So one thing that I always do with a new pair of bibs is I try to go on like a two hour ride without any like chamois cream. Okay. Uh, so I have, I mean, I have like more sensitive skin, so I always have to ride with chamois, chamois cream. Uh, with this pair, I would say I was comfortable up to like an hour and a half without chamois cream. That's not too bad. That's not bad at all. Yeah. For a $50. It was $50, which you probably would pay two to like 200 200 yeah for what we got it for now uh the one thing when i first got it the right below the belly button Mm -hmm. i'm not gonna say my groin area but because it was above that but like right below the belly button was very loose okay but i actually washed it and i actually dried it to kind of you know tighten it up firm it up firm it up and it worked yeah it did nice second second time i wrote it i didn't even notice it yeah so i mean that's that's the thing it's it's not 100 percent perfect it's not like it's a thinner material too yeah uh but it's it's all black and a thinner material which actually might be nice yeah because it is for like hot summer races yeah you can still wear it being that thin yeah it's I, I, yeah, that's tough because when you buy things from China, you really do like gamble a little bit. I bought things that did not turn out very well, like the skin suits, like those, we got pretty lucky on that, I think. But at the same time, you do a little homework, you find out who's a good manufacturer, even the customer service side of things. Like if you're not happy, they'll usually just send you something for free because they want a good review out of you. Yeah. So it's not like you get zero customer service. It's just random customer service it's, it's random it's random you might get something for free you might not get something sometimes they like have you send it back yeah it's you never it's really random know. yeah yeah buyers beware um another thing is you'll find a lot of duplicate saddles on yeah on yeah AliExpress. so have you bought a saddle i have not yet. i haven't i have not yet okay um i might be i might okay. be getting try a the specialized power saddle oh yeah they make them for 25 bucks 
on AliExpress. But it's not specialized. Not it's, specialized. Do you think it's the like it's similar? Do you think it's the same? It's the same thing. You think so? Yeah. Okay. Interesting. So I mean, the, I mean, we we used to work for a company that did all their sourcing from China, and I think the one thing that I learned is a lot of the time sources from China. Well, everybody sources from China, right? And like the same couple factories make everything. Yeah. So like when you buy these things from China, it's not like some random guys are like starting their cycling company and selling you saddles and kits and stuff like that. It's literally like a lot of the times it's a couple people have a quota to make. All right, we're going to make 300 kits for, I don't know, some random cycling brand, Pearl Izumi. And they instead make 400 kits and they sell 100 online. Yeah. That's generally what happens. And not, not to say that that's what goes on at Pearl Zumi. And a lot of the better brands are really good at controlling that. But at the end of the day, it happens. And people want to make money off of it. Like with this, so we'll use the Specialized Power Saddle as yeah. an example. It's it's probably being made in the same factory that makes the specialized power saddle. It's probably it's probably on the same assembly line as a power saddle. Yeah, they just unbrand it and we don't and sell it as as it. Maybe yeah, I, I guess I'd have to check, but yeah, I mean, there's a lot of times where you you, you just like you know you go you'd find brands that looked really good and that you'd see were being made for bigger companies and yeah, you just that's that's who'd make your stuff. Okay. Um, all right, so what else? What else? Is there is there any high-end stuff that you do like? Well, we'll wrap it up after this. Yeah. Um, high-end stuff that I do like that I think is worth the money. Um, shoes, I guess. You know, I shoes? Like, I like high-end shoes. Yeah. yeah. High-end helmets, I think, I think are worth money Yeah, I think sometimes. shoes and helmets, I think yeah. that is a lot of you get what you pay for. Yeah, I think so. I think so. I'm not, I'm, you know, I'm just like a simple person, I think. I, I'm not a huge high-end, high-end person, like, you know, I don't know. I see the value in things being practical. I think that's, that's one thing you shouldn't buy from China is helmets. You should not buy helmets from China. Don't roll that dice. I couldn't tell you about shoes. Um, I To be honest, I've looked at shoes from, yeah. they don't look great. They don't look that great. Shoes, no. yeah, there's some things that you want to make sure that you buy from respected Hopefully American brands. But yeah. All right, Ryan. I think you're, I think we're ready to wrap All it right. up. Uh, so <laughs> one one last thing is I got to grind my gear this week. You got to grind your gears. I All got right. to. So this this is actually something I heard from someone who I'm not going to say who, okay? But they, it's, it's, they were telling me they won't race their bikes anymore because of, because of uh, essentially like cat four or five people and that was the category he was in he's like i just can't stand racing and riding with those people anymore okay people that just think that just so highly of themselves even though they're at such a low level Uh uh-huh and they just get their their fix off of just beating other bad racers and like they don't upgrade yeah like oh those are the the worst if you're one of those people's stop it and just like the like, the attitude that those kind of people have. Like, during races, you hear the most yelling in, like, a four or five race. And this is, like, a crit we're talking about, too. It's yeah. not really a cross race. I don't know about mountain bike racing. Yeah. So, and he said, like, it got to the point where he's just, like, I'm not doing that anymore. So, he just rides his bike. Okay. But he he, he refuses to, like, race now. So, if you're those people, can I, I, I'm not blaming you. Okay. I'm blaming them. We, we can blame them. Yeah. <laughs> 
We've all been cat fours, cat fives. Yeah. But there's a difference though. You gotta realize that it is a lower level and it's meant to be an entry level. Yeah. You know, once you feel like you're past an entry level, cat up. You can still do three, four races. Mm-hmm. You know, they're just slightly harder than a four or five race, but leave the four or fives for beginner people and also don't yell at people yeah that are doing stuff wrong because they're probably new you should never like people all the time complain about how like road cycling is not becoming a thing anymore like that the numbers are so low and people don't want to race their bikes this is exactly the reason why you should never ever scream at anybody in a bike race unless they are legitimately putting you at risk like for doing like to to get uh, injured to to crash or whatever and I'd like to say that it gets better when you start to cat up, like, to a cat three. But, I don't know. I've been in a lot of races this year where people are just screaming at each other for really yeah. no apparent reason. And I feel like a big thing is, too, is people become more confident when they go up. But at the same time, their risk kind of goes up a little bit, too. Yeah. So, and then, especially in, like, cat three, you'll get younger people who just have that high fitness but don't have that, you know... The mental level I guess yeah that that's like hey you can't do that because not only could you hurt yourself you could hurt others but they uh-huh. don't they don't have that you know road cycling is a weird psychology you know it is it's we've talked about it a lot on on our show about like some of the pitfalls and why it's having some trouble growing and I think that I don't know what the answer is. I guess, you know, it's hard. Who's going to police that within a race, right? Yeah. You know, especially like a Cat 4 race. Everybody's kind of new. Like, it's not like you've got like a veteran Cat 4 racer there telling everybody to quiet down. And I think there just needs to be a stigma that you just get out of Cat 4s. Uh, yeah, I think there should be. It's like yeah. one year in Cat 4s and then try to upgrade. Unless, like, you're very recreational. You know, something I've never really got and I actually tagged you something in, in Instagram like a couple days ago that I thought was legitimately funny is I never really understand like the cat the cat three stigma but I do understand like the amateur pro stigma yeah like I always think people conflate that it's like you you like people always make fun of cat threes and it's like well you're not really making fun of cat threes you're making fun of like the professional cat three that thinks that they can like leave their full-time job to pursue a professional cycling career and they're only a cat three. Like, yeah. that's the person that's, like, getting made fun of. <laughs> All right. And then to end on a high note, uh, what do you got coming up? What do I got coming up? Um, Boy, like, nothing's, like, particularly interesting on the calendar. I might do a cross race in, like, I think a week or two. The ones in Sun Prairie. Yep. Backyard. Yep. That's kind of nice. Right before my birthday. Yeah. I've just been doing a lot of cross training, actually. I actually ran here today. Yeah. Uh, I've been doing some gym work, kind of... I got another phone call. (laughs) Oh, God. Never join a gym that makes you write people's names down for references. Unless you just want to talk to me. Yeah. Then that's okay. That's fine. But yeah, I've just been kind of enjoying the off season and just doing things that I normally don't do when it's race season or cycling Mm -hmm. season. I've been using my, my weights quite a bit more. Yeah. Yeah. It's nice to just... You know, once you start doing other things you start to realize like how weak of a person cycling actually makes you oh, yeah. like, it doesn't matter like how big your legs get or like, you know, how like beefy your quads are like cycling just whittles away all your other muscles. So it's good to do some other stuff. Yeah. 
Yeah. All right. What about you? Uh, I might race in Dowsman this weekend. I don't know. Yeah. I'll probably go regardless yeah. if I race or not. Okay. Yeah. So that's toss I'll up. Be if, some company. If uh, Richard never responded to us, but if Richard wants to and Matthew wants to yeah. and you want to come along, I'm I'm game. Maybe I will. Uh, besides that, then yeah, we got two races in Sun Prairie coming up, and there's one in Milwaukee that I probably not do. Yeah. I don't know. Debate kind of depends on if I'll be in You're Milwaukee to see in the middle. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, besides that, yeah, I mean just. Enjoying it, living life, enjoying yeah. fall. I got a lower training stre- uh, training volume right now, so it's nice. Just kind of enjoying everything else. Eddie, all right, uh, then that's it. So go follow us on Instagram. We are bike underscore racing underscore weekly. Go follow us on Facebook on at bike race weekly, uh, and then hit that subscribe button. We got a lot coming towards you. Podcasts. Try to get them out every week. Be sure to leave a review, too. We love reviews, especially those five-star reviews. Yeah. It really helps us in the ratings, and mm-hmm. you know, we just we love to feel your love. All right. Well, thanks for listening, everyone. I think it went a little bit longer than uh, we thought it would be, little but bit. we had a good time. Yeah. Talk a little tech. Appreciate it, and we'll, uh, we'll see you all next week.